the most frustrating part about this team right now is there is literally, or almost literally, because you can almost literally always poke holes in the use of literally, so we'll go with there is almost literally nothing to watch with this Jets team right now. And we'll get to Le'Veon Bell, just another terrific signing by Mike McCagnan. We'll get to his departure, and if that means anything for the future of Adam Gase. But normally with a bad rebuilding team, you have something to point to as a reason as why you should watch. We know it's not a championship quality team. We know it's not a a playoff team. We can come to terms with that pretty quickly. You know, we even, we know they're probably going to lose every time they step on the field. And not in a sense that 0-16 is a probability for this team, but in a sense that when they win their first game this season, it's going to feel surprising. But we come to terms with the losing. You know, week one, there's some anger when they lose. Week two, there's some nervousness of, uh-oh, is, is this about to be a brutal season yet again? And by week three, you start to come to terms with, yeah, this is this is bad. This is a bad team. But you still, you want something to watch, right? And after another blowout loss, 30-10 to 10 to the Arizona Cardinals, th- this is not it. Joe Flacco to Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore, it would have been fun to see what they could do maybe six or seven years ago, but not now. You want to watch a developing quarterback. You want to, you want to find a quarterback to wide receiver tandem, something that is becoming maybe what looks like to have uh, the potential to be a successful combination. You want to watch a young offense show some flashes, an offensive line that maybe starts to meld a bit, a defense that could play fast and create some havoc at the, at the line of scrimmage. But right now there's nothing. I I have no desire to watch Joe Flacco right now, who, let's be honest, had, had one exceptional run in the playoffs during his career, but he is one of the most overrated, overpaid quarterbacks ever. And it's because of a big arm and and one Super Bowl ring. At 35 years old, Joe Flacco is a very solid, capable backup on a good team. Great head of hair. But even that, he wasted on buzz cuts the first five years or so of his career. I only have interest in watching Flacco if he's a quarterback stepping in to keep a team in playoff contention. I, I have no need to watch an old, mediocre quarterback on a brutally incompetent team and franchise. And I, I paid attention to the full game last week solely because of this podcast. And I'll do the same against the Dolphins solely because of this podcast. But otherwise, I'm probably checking out at 17-3. I have no reason to stick around and watch Joe Flacco in that game. There's there's nothing to watch right now with this team. Nothing to get excited about with the Jets right now. And I, I think like to the, to the years that the, the Mets have been really bad, I still have Jacob DeGrom to look forward to. Maybe tonight he'll throw a no-hitter. Maybe tonight he'll he'll strike out 16 guys, or maybe Pete Alonzo will hit four home runs in a game. Even last year when the Knicks were expectedly bad, if R.J. Barrett was healthy, I was tuning in to hopefully watch him get better. But with no young quarterback on the field, I, I even in 2016-2017, in I was a little excited to see if Bryce Petty had something. But now, nothing. And not only is time running out on the developmental stage of Sam Darnold's career, but he once again, for the third year in a row in his three-year career, is missing significant time due to injury. 
And yes, at a minimum, two games in a 16-game season is significant. It doesn't. It just doesn't have to be the quarterback either. I mean, there there could certainly be things to get you excited about a game that don't involve the quarterback. There could be other young players to get excited about, but there isn't, and that's a major testament to how bad the front office was under Mike McCagnan and how unimpressive the start to the Joe Douglas tenure has been. Mackay Becton looked solid early on, but he's been hurt. Denzel Mims is finally on the practice field. Ashton Davis, the highly touted Swiss Army knife, has been almost comically disappointing considering how much everybody raved about him at the draft. But he's been essentially useless on defense and as a punt returner when healthy. And I guess the best part about having a brutal offense is the fact that the rookie punter, Braden Mann, is getting a ton of reps. But if you're Joe Douglas and you walk away from this season, you walk away from your first draft class with your seventh-round punter being the highlight, not exactly a crowning moment for a young general manager. And I, I know he has a strong resume as a scout, and he signed a six-year contract, so, so he has what appears to be a, a lot of support from ownership. But 1-15, one, 2-14 one can... That, that type of season can have a way of changing that support faster than anybody ever expected was possible. And don't forget, it was Christopher Johnson who hired Douglas. And if the upcoming presidential election doesn't go the way of Woody Johnson in three weeks, that means he, he's likely coming back to running the Jets in January. And, and by no means am I saying this with joy. I, I'm, I'm not saying that that is a, a great thing. Woody Johnson coming back is not fixing the Jets. I'm saying this matter-of-factly. Woody didn't hire Joe Douglas. If he comes back to a 1-15 team, the six-year deal that Douglas signed might not have all that much meaning. He was oddly handpicked by the, the coach. He joined a situation where we were sold that the Jets had their savior, their franchise quarterback. I think we all kind of believed that when Douglas came here. And he was supposedly, Douglas was supposedly grateful when he was with the Eagles that the Giants passed on Sam Darnold because he didn't want the Philadelphia Eagles to have to, to face him twice a year for the next decade or so. You meet up with him with the Jets, come in to build around him, and your big playmaking addition is Denzel Mims? And you, you look around the league and you see the other second-round wide receivers. It just it seems like every other team is able to find playmakers in the second round and beyond, except for the, the Jets. Chase Claypool in Pittsburgh, T. Higgins with a rookie quarterback in Cincinnati, and and they're getting it done. And then there's the Jets with, with Denzel Mims, who cannot get on the field. And I don't want to rip a guy for injury. I'm sure he wants to play, but the bottom line is the Jets are, are awful at drafting and especially awful at finding offensive skill players. When, it, when every successful team in the NFL finds guys late in drafts that are going to step in and produce right away every sing, single year. But, but Mims... I mean, at, at this point, he looks like the third coming of Stephen Hill and Devin Smith. And, and let's not forget that Douglas chose Brashad Perryman over Robbie Anderson as well. That fall, that decision certainly falls on Joe Douglas. Perryman in his five catches and 29 yards compared to Robbie, who, who seems to have a great connection with former Jets quarterback Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina. 36 catches and almost 500 yards through five games. Robbie's on pace for 115 catches and 1,500 yards right now. That's insane. Like, we, we talk about the inability, the inability for the Jets to find playmakers, and then they let a receiver go elsewhere and turn into a star? 
that's as big of a knock on Adam Gase, too, because his inability to use him right. Robbie turns into a top wideout in a new system, and then Ryan Tannehill turns into an MVP quarterback when he gets away from Gase. I mean, the, these these offensive players just going elsewhere and becoming stars when they when they leave uh, leave Adam Gase's system, leave his tutorship, leave his leadership. Definitely not exactly a a uh, ringing endorsement for Adam Gase as the head coach. But but I mean, bottom line is we know Adam Gase is a bad head coach. We're hoping for better in terms of Joe Douglas's with his his ability to select and find talent. But so far. Not so good for the the uh, New York Jets general manager. Let's take a quick break on the Brandon Condes Jets podcast back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Le'Veon Bell era with the New York Jets is officially over. Le'Veon Bell no longer a Jet. And although I I still believe he's the most talented player on offense that this team has or, or had last season or this, and even at the age of 28 and after being overused in Pittsburgh, I'm going to shamelessly uh, doing about face and flip-flop on my support of Bell from last season and without question throw my full support behind Joe Douglas with this move because I, I did not love the idea of signing Le'Veon Bell last year. I, I, I wasn't fully on board when the Jets were discussing uh, whether or not they should make a push for, for Bell and ultimately Mike McCagney and sign him, but I prefer to abide by the philosophy of draft your running backs, don't pay them. Because Frank Gore aside, the shelf life just isn't long enough to warrant paying running backs. The position is too grueling. So to expend a high draft pick or a significant portion of your salary cap on a running back, just it doesn't seem to make sense, especially when you see guys like Alvin Kamara found in the third round, Aaron Jones in the fifth, Nick Chubb in the second, Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. They were both second rounders as well. So using a first round pick or signing another team's running back just rarely seems like the sound franchise approach. That being said, go back to the offseason of 2019, and the Jets needed playmakers. They they needed to give Darnold some help, and signing Bell to what was essentially two years, $26 million guaranteed on a team that had plenty of cap space, I was okay with it. If the full four years, $52 million, if, if that full contract was guaranteed, I would have been 100% out. If that was the guaranteed portion, I would say absolutely not. But two years, $26 million, I could get be, get behind and get on board with. And last season, I, I blamed Gase much more than I blamed Bell for his lack of production. I blamed Gase's play calling. I blamed his stubbornness of not wanting Bell or any Bell Cow running back. But at this point, it's almost it's almost ignorant to not blame Le'Veon Bell, too. Uh, I mean, if you are a legitimate elite offensive player, if you are a perennial all-pro or pro-bowl talent, you find a way to be productive whether the coach likes you or not. And the bottom line for Le'Veon Bell is he did not find that way to be productive. 
And if you've listened to my recent podcast, you know I, I've been I've been talking about Darnold being in his third season and starting to develop a track record, and, and that track record isn't good. Well, if I, if I could say that in year three, that, that we're able to point to Darnold's track record and start to judge what he is rather than wonder what he can be, Bell similarly hasn't been a productive offensive player in three years. And in the world of the NFL, 2017 is a long time ago. And that's the last time that Bell was an above-average player and a 1,000-yard running back. What running back goes from being elite to having three years of ineffectiveness and then somehow makes it back to being even just an above-average player? Bell's track record for three years now is a player with almost zero productivity. So we're kidding ourselves if we now look at him as a player who can find consistent success again, especially on a bad team with a bad offensive line, a bad quarterback, and a bad coach. And if he's going to be a bad presence in the locker room on top of that, which he he wasn't last year, but if he's going to be that in year two, then get him out. If he's going to whine on social media, then get him out. I don't agree with Adam Gase on much, but I agree with if you're a player that has a problem, go to the coach. Don't go to social media first. Bell wanted out. He was gone at the end of this year no matter what. It's foolish to keep him here and, and wait for something to just blow up with him on the team. So although this, at first glance, it kind of looks like Adam Gase is getting his way because he never wanted Bell to be on this team, I don't think that this is, you know, I, I don't think getting rid of Bell is any sign of support for the head coach. It's just the sound, obvious decision at this point. The Jets' relationship with Bell was going nowhere. It was about his relationship with the franchise and, and likely his, his frustration with being past his prime and his frustration in realizing that he never should have held out in Pittsburgh. And it's a culmination of all that, rather than just being about the Jets head coach preferring a running back by committee. Douglas tried to trade him, but not surprisingly, there weren't any takers, so you just let him go. I think it was the obvious move. There was a sense of relief when this was done, more so than there was anger or frustration, and it was an incredibly failed project, and everybody has a hand in it. Everybody deserves some blame for why Le'Veon Bell did not work out with the Jets. But the bottom line is, I am officially back on the never-pay-someone-else's-running-back train. I'm officially back on that train. I, I was I was on it. I let one foot kind of dangle off a bit when the Jets signed Bell, but now I've I've pulled my foot back. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting down. I'm even I'm buckled up in my seat. Like, it, it should never happen. There's, there's no circumstance where you should pay somebody else's running back to be your starting running back. Find that player in the draft and nowhere else. And hopefully this move opens up playing time for LaMichael Perrine. We talked about how disappointing Douglas's draft has, has been so far this season. He, he would definitely benefit from a couple of 100-yard games out of, out of Perrine. I wouldn't count on that happening, but we'll see. Right now, I just hope Gase doesn't attempt to bury Perrine on the bench and still give, give, give 30 touches to Frank Gore every game. But who knows? Gase is still the play caller, and, and he, he says he, he's keeping the play calling. Is, is that a surprise? Gase, Gase will, will need the play calling to be stripped from him if they're going to take it. He's not going to give it up on his own. They, they don't really have an offensive coordinator. He's not giving that up to Dowell Loggins, who I, I know has the title of offensive coordinator, but he's really just the quarterback's coach. I think Jim Bob Cooter would better serve to, to, to do it, to take over the play calling. But imagine if Gase gave up play calling and the team does look better. 
which, I mean, there's a good chance that that would happen because it's hard to look worse. You know, it, you, imagine if he gives up play calling and the team looks more confident. What does that say about him? They're 31st in total total yards per game, right behind the Giants, who are 30th in the league. So just to further exemplify the wonderful state of NFL football in New York, New Jersey right now. But Le'Veon Bell is gone. Robbie Anderson is gone. Hopefully Chris Herndon will be on soon. He's He's so often open. But it's because the defense knows that he can't catch the ball. It's like playing with 10 guys on offense when Herndon's on the field. Robbie Anderson's gone. Jamal Adams is gone. Denzel Mims can't get on the field. Sam Darnold can't stay healthy. Your 2020 New York Jets brought to you by Joe Douglas, everybody. A front office with direction and the legitimately coached Miami Dolphins up next. So be sure to enjoy that on Sunday. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Condes Jets podcast. And as always, big